0: Cindy how are you?
1: Hey great thanks how are you?
0: Great I'm so glad that you were able to book a time and I would just love to catch up with you this gonna be super fun.
1: Yeah absolutely now and hopefully I've been having trouble with zoom lately I don't know what whether it's zoom or my computer but it keeps shutting my computer down but because we don't have video this looks like it's a different format so hopefully we'll be good so oh
0: perfect yes yeah, it's going to be awesome. This, I've done a couple um, other interviews today, actually, already, and everything seems to be great, especially if you call in. Like, I'm just having it on my phone, and it's already recording. So um, okay, this is such a great format. I love teaching my clients how to use Zoom and then Uber conference either one. And the nice one with Zoom is there's no time limit.
1: Yeah. So if
0: you're doing long, longer coaching sessions, you don't have to worry about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. This is neat. Awesome. I, I the big uh... – video screen as well so this is uh this is different i'll have to check this out
0: yeah it's awesome this one's nice too because if you're in a remote location or somewhere where you don't have as good a video signal you can just do the call so you're seeing you know the picture of you but you don't even have to worry about the video so
1: yeah perfect so how's life treating you
0: awesome well thank you for wanting to be on and i'm excited to be able to share this i started a podcast called first over 40 And I'm also going to be sharing it like, you know, in our business community and just I want to be able to let people know more about you and be able to help spread the word about your story and all of the amazing things you're doing. So this is going to be a fun um, influencers live. It's kind of a special piece I'm doing with some different influential business leaders. And so I thought of you. So would you just introduce yourself to our audience?
1: You bet. Well, hey there, I'm Cindy Watson. I'm the founder of Women on Purpose. And um, I also am the creator of the Art of Feminine Negotiation, a program for women, how to get what you want from the boardroom to the bedroom. So I come on that after 30 years of practicing litigation where I found women often tend to either step back from negotiating and they don't get what they deserve or they feel like they need to overcompensate to be successful. And both of those have a big cost, so that was my motivator.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. And I am excited to be able to share more with you and we'll go through. I have some fun questions that are just kind of let people get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. and then I really respect what you do and the fact that you manage to do it and still be super feminine, super soft, but you're very assertive and everyone's going to learn a lot from you it is just a blessing to be able to get to talk with you and get to know you on a deeper level so, so thank you for being here thanks for having me Trina. <laughs> yeah awesome okay so i would love to know um cindy just for fun what's your favorite movie
1: Oh my gosh, that's funny. I, you know what, <laughs> the thing that two came to mind, both of which are embarrassing. <laughs> I'll I will give, give my authentic, raw, knee-jerk reaction to that. <laughs> okay, um, perfect. I don't know if you remember the movie The Rose with Bette Midler many years ago, where she sort oh of... Oh my
0: gosh, the yeah.
1: fiction of Janice Joplin. I, I just found that I was young. I was in high school at the time, and I just remember being so moved by her power and how she was so talented and yet as a woman it just seemed destined to not really be able to get what she wanted in life and it just it moved me in a very profound way so i i would say that would be my first first answer so and i don't know i I have not thought of that movie in decades which is so (laughs) so yeah
0: i love that too like what just pops up that's so cool because that's like like you said just that raw Need your connection Odyssey, right? Which one yeah. <laughs> that's great.
1: That's so funny. That's
0: interesting too, just with your path, how it seemed like yes. pretty influential movies.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny. And you know what's even funnier about that? I remember I did a high school project on it because we had Tess of the D'Urbervilles, which if you've ever read is a little dry, Thomas Hardy's book, very intense. Uh-huh. I did an essay comparing the rose as a modern day Tess of the D'Urbervilles, if you can believe it. So.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, talk about thinking outside the box. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They're like, Wow. <laughs> A plus in Washington, <laughs> do big things. <business. laughs> Super cool. Well, that, that's fun. And this one's just like, you know, again, on a personal note, because a lot of people, when they meet with authors or, um, you know, movie stars or influential business people, they want to know just real things that they can connect to with you. So everybody watches movies. And then this question is just, what is your favorite food?
1: Oh, favorite food. Um, gosh, I love mm-hmm. food. Um. My favorite comfort food is probably good pizza, believe it or not. That would be my, nice. favorite. I, I never get <laughs> sick of pizza. I also love gourmet. I've got a really sort of wide palate, but again, my, if I go with my knee-jerk reaction, I'd say a really yummy pizza.
0: Nice. And okay, it's, it's interesting because for our 20-year anniversary, you know, John and I and our kids, and we took them on this yeah. like best of Italy trip. And it was so funny because best of Italy and Sicily and our tour guide. He was like, what you have in America is not pizza. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this is the pizza. (laughs) It was completely different, but I loved it over there. Oh my gosh. It was amazing.
1: So true. I love Italy. What a great experience for your kids.
0: Oh, it was, it was incredible. That's the thing though, when you get to work for yourself and you have that time and location freedom, right? You're traveling all the time.
1: Yes, I, I mean amazing. Yeah, it's great. Mhm. Yeah. I'm What's one of your favorite world's trips world's you took?
0: Ever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Favorite trip? Well, recently I actually I. um, Spoken uh, had a program in Sedona where I'm embarrassed to say I've never been, and I must say I felt like I mean obviously I love Italy. There are places in there. I love New Zealand's one of my favorite places in the world. Iceland yeah, was gorgeous, um, but Sedona was a pleasant surprise. Like sort of you know right next door, I found it very magical. You know people talk about vortexes and energy there, and I mm-hmm. there was something very powerful about that space. So I loved it
0: it's incredible that's that's my home state and we spent last winter yeah one of our friends opened a restaurant up in Sedona and um Gerardo's right on the main thing so I don't know if you saw that but then John and I both when we went through and did all of our different life coaching certifications and trauma release and everything was in Sedona Uh so it is a very magical place the energy there is intense
1: yeah lots of healing I could see that that's beautiful
0: that's awesome I'm glad that you went there. And then what were you saying? Did you say your kids have been able to travel with you a lot too?
1: Yeah, when they were younger. But I love that you're doing with that your kids now. Like a lot of the traveling that I'm doing now, I wouldn't have been able to do in this way when the kids were younger. But I love that you guys have been yeah. able to incorporate to have the kids be part of that experience. I think that's so beautiful.
0: It's it's really been great and they have such a huge reference for everything. Like part of our intention of doing that was my husband traveled a lot with his family and everything when he was um younger and his grandma kind of did a world tour with him well my family i loved where i grew out grew up but it was very rural arizona and um that my little hometown was my reference for everything like i just everything went back to pine arizona so it was so cute and that's my world is just very you know like innocent and i just You know, I have the same friends that I've had since kindergarten, but then as we've traveled and got to know more people and been working more on a global level, traveling to all these places, I understand on a whole new level of reference points for things and cultures and just, you know, people and foods and everything. So it really does open your world having those experiences.
1: And that real world experience for your kids is invaluable. Like I, I grew up in a low rental apartment complex. My parents had never traveled or been on a plane, so neither had we. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time in high school getting to go on a band trip and the, you know, it was like the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I am like such a hot shot, you
0: know, I'm in an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <amazing. Right. laughs> That's cool. Well, yeah, and it makes you so much more, I look at how courageous and brave and assertive and everything my kids are, and yeah, it's different when you've traveled and walked the streets in Germany, you know, or you've actually been to uh, just the very specific places, the Normandy beaches, like, they're, it changed their world, you know, seeing those and going to Anne Frank's house, like, they've just had a lot of experiences that when you when you see it in person, it's completely different than just reading it in a book, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. I love that story. Okay. (laughs) So I want to know, just speaking of um, different books and authors and things like this, what is a book that has impacted your life?
1: Oh my gosh. I was such an avid reader. I I don't know that I could even pick one. Um, And it's interesting because it's only more recently, like I was an avid, avid fiction reader growing up, like just Uh couldn't get enough. And still love fiction, but more recently um, introduced to sort of nonfiction. And I've found that's been a profound shift, right? Like I just love like nonfiction, self-help nonfiction for want of a better term, like growth, yeah. mind, expanding mindset changing kind of books, like, you know, from Th- thinking, Grow Rich and, you know, just the, the whole raft of those that I have found have been the biggest profound shift for me in terms of how I live my life and show up every day so
0: that's awesome that's and if you've made that shift too um I'm going to send you as a gift we have like a it's a 50 like top books that we put together that are all aligned with that like they're all in that nonfiction self-help realm and they're like oh my gosh we've read hundreds of books in that so that'll just be fun to share with you Um,
1: I love that one of the mm -hmm. outfits. One I just read recently. Like, oh my gosh, it's so deceiving because it seems so simplistic. And as somebody like I do a lot of writing myself, you know, I'm the president of the Muskoka Authors Association up here. And mm-hmm. at first you're reading it and you're thinking, This is such simplistic writing. What is the big fuss about this book? And all of a sudden <laughs> you just relax into it and you're like, oh my gosh, like every line, just profound insight after profound insight. It's so beautiful. So yeah, I love that book.
0: And what? Say the title of that one one uh, more time.
1: The Alchemist, Paul Coelho's book. It's just oh uh, yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah.
1: crazy intense for such a tiny, <laughs> ostensibly simple mm-hmm. book. It is just packed and layered. So it's was it's remarkable what he crafted. Yeah,
0: fantastic, great. I just want to make sure people could hear that specific one. That's awesome. Okay, so I want to get a little bit more into your your story, and I'm curious what has been your work and educational history journey kind of to this point in your life? Oh, gosh,
1: that's a good one. Um, Yeah, Yeah. it's been an interesting journey. I think like, um, you know, a lot of people, and I would say women in particular, we tend to follow the what I would call the expected path. And I was no exception. As I, you know, alluded to earlier, I grew up in a low rental apartment. So money was always an issue. We didn't have much growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't say that there was a lot of love in the house, obviously, but I loved creative as a kid. And even as a very young kid, though, I loved helping and sort of lifting people up to be the best version of themselves. Like in hindsight, it's almost embarrassing, right? Um, But Mm -hmm. I was not too subtly pushed away from the more creative because, you know, I did well in school. So my parents with all of the best intentions. It was like they wanted something secure and in a more traditional definition of what was success. So I went right from high school Mm -hmm. to university to law school, you know, shooting for those straight A's. And I graduated from law school and I knew I wanted to practice labor because I came from, you know, a working class family. And so I ended up doing social justice for for about 30 years. Um, But, and it's Mm -hmm. funny, I, I built my own law practice, which was very unusual as a woman in a totally you know, male-dominated industry within a male-dominated niece within that industry. But I felt this of dissatisfaction. And then, you know, typically as a woman, I felt guilty that I was dissatisfied. I'm like, I've got this great life, this great career. You know, I've got three fabulous people in a long relationship with a, you know, a guy who adores me. What is wrong with Mm -hmm. me? And I started giving voice to it, Trina, and it was so that was a game changer for me because, as I think as women, we hold it in and we feel like there's something wrong with us. And as I gave voice to it, I realized this was seemed to be a very universal experience. Mm -hmm. So I started Women on Purpose originally with the intention being, and we still do this, but the focus was to help women just rekindle and rediscover that passion and sense of purpose so you could really you know, reset your vision for what you want out of life from this point forward. And especially as women were hitting transition stages to really live on purpose and with purpose. And as I Mm -hmm. started doing a lot of work with women about the limiting beliefs that were holding them back from doing that. And a lot of people had pushed me, my God, use your law background, use your law background. I'm like, no, I don't want to do business. But all of a sudden I had this real aha moment that I saw all of life as a negotiation. You know, whether it's negotiating with your kids or your intimate partner or a big corporate deal or negotiating with yourself, frankly, you know, the car dealer, everything, it, it's probably one of the most important skills we ever learn, And yet we're not taught it. Or to the extent mm-hmm. we're taught, we believe that negotiation is all about the bark and the bite, you know, the person who can speak the longest and the loudest, that's who's going to win the day. And if there's one mm-hmm. thing I learned after 30 years of law, that. Like, no, that is simply not true. The, the skill set that make up some of the most, you know, influential and powerful influencers and negotiators are skill sets that ironically would be considered feminine traits. So I would say, and I came up with a little mnemonic, it's called our fit. So just think you are fit to be a great negotiator. So it's uh-huh. ARP. FIT. So the A is for assertiveness, and I'll come back to that because most women feel that they're not good in that category, but the other main Mm -hmm. categories are rapport building, empathy, flexibility, intuition, and trust. So A-R-E-F-I-T. And if you think about it, Trina, rapport building, empathy, flexibility, intuition, and trust, if you surveyed people like that Family Feud talk show, you know, the top answer is that people consider those all to be feminine traits. And yet, yeah,
0: women, I agree.
1: And women step back from negotiating, feeling like, mm. oh, I don't want to be assertive. I don't want to be seen as, you know, the the B word. You know, I don't want to be. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't want to be. I don't like conflict, and they end up mm-hmm. not negotiating their best life because they shy away from it, or. I love that. they overcompensate feeling that the only way to be successful in what we perceive to be, you know, a, a man's world is to bring that masculine energy to the table. And it's mm-hmm. simply faulty reasoning. So I really have now made it my mission to teach what I call the art of feminine negotiation. And it's not a gender thing. This is men and women have masculine and feminine energy. And I just mm-hmm. feel so passionate as you could probably to like, imagine a world yeah where everybody came to negotiating, not to win, not to put one over on the other party, not even the so-called win-win splitting the difference, but to really be empathetic and build rapport and come up with creative out-of-the-box solutions that are better than what either party anticipated. Like it would be a world-changing mission. And that is the mission I am on <laughs> at this time.
0: <laughs> that is so beautiful. And I, I feel your passion for that. And I love that you've combined your background in business with the whole law experience and brought that to the table with negotiation. That's beautiful. The art of feminine negotiation. What a cool.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I, amazing
0: I, way. <laughs> I, I feel like that. I
1: finally found it. Like it's, it's the, the perfect merge of my sort of experience and everything I, I brought to bear for 30 years and having learned from my mistakes. Cause it, you know, if I've got to be ruthlessly honest, Trina, there was a long period in my career as a lawyer where I, there's no question. I brought that masculine energy. Like my clients called me the Barracuda. And for a long time, Aww. I have to admit, I wore it as a badge of honor. And then all of a sudden I'm yeah. like, I don't want to be a Barracuda anymore. And,
0: and you <laughs> don't, sure. I don't,
1: have to be a barracuda, you know. I thought of experiences from my personal life where I had been mm-hmm. profoundly effective in some of the most important negotiations I could have ever imagined or encountered. And when I thought back, I was in my place of pure feminine power, bringing that, you know, in one in particular, just pure maternal sort of energy. And that's when the mm-hmm. light for me. So yeah,
0: I love that. Well, in my background wasn't. Law, but as an educator, you know, I went through elementary education, then got my master's in education and teacher leadership. And I remember when I did my student teaching, that was one of my points. I love my mentor teacher, but she would get on me about, you know, you're not assertive enough, you're not assertive enough. And our mm-hmm. style was just very different in that. I love her, I respect her. She's one of my best mentors I've ever had. But when I found my own way in the classroom teaching, my way is much softer. Yes. It is engaging students. I don't have discipline issues because they're so excited about what we're doing, and I'm, I'm very creative, and I'm able to bring all of my skills and talents to the table. Not only with children, but with adults. That's why my trainings are so different because I know what best teaching practices are, and bringing all of the things, like you said, it's assertiveness, but it doesn't have to take away from who you are as a woman. Because I honor that too. I honor men in their masculinity and women in yes. their femininity. And I love that you're doing that. That is an awesome mission. That's why I wanted to interview because I want to help spread the mission of what you're doing. And I love, I just keep praying about it too, like ways we're going to work together because I just know there's so, yeah, (laughs) there's really cool things we're doing and we can just continue to magnify that impact and help more people. And they're
1: so complimentary, right? I love that. Mm -hmm. And I love about that assertive piece because I think, um, so many women shy away feeling that they don't have that ability. And it's because people inflate yeah. assertiveness with aggressiveness and they're not the same thing right. at all. And for mm-hmm. you to be tremendously persuasive, like, you know, I talk about the art of feminine negotiation, but also the power of feminine persuasion is mm-hmm. you you can hold your ground and hold the line. People assume that being feminine or stepping into your feminine traits means weakness. And the opposite is true. Look through history. My gosh, powerhouse women who changed the world through bringing their feminine energy. And if I can Mm -hmm. first just share like one example, two things I'd say about assertiveness for for your your listeners as well, because I think it's important. Absolutely, One is, Think of a mama bear, right? Like women go, oh, I can't be assertive there is no more powerful force on earth than, you know, a (laughs) bear protecting its cub and, and not that kind of energy. It's just (laughs) that, that fierce want need to protect An underdog to protect an underling and everybody has experienced that man or woman at some point in their life where that mama bear showed up and was able to Mm -hmm. hold the ground in an assertive way. As women, we just tend to not do it for ourselves. So the one little tip that I give uh, to women in particular is if you're in a situation, you're finding it hard to hold your ground or toe the line or be assertive. Just think of that little bear cub in you, because we all carry that little girl around with our little girl hurts and all of those wounds and fears and you know, insecurities that we have still. So just bring your mama bear to protect your own little bear cub, which is you. And it can, that little mind shift can be a powerful um, way for women to step into their feminine power to advocate for themselves as well as for others, right? And, that's
0: great because the yeah. imagery, yeah, they can hold on to that. They know exactly who that's like, and then you're not waiting for someone else to do it for you; you yeah. can do it for yourself.
1: And they tap into the, that. that vulnerable piece of themselves, which allows them to stay grounded in their feminine while still being mm-hmm. a It's a beautiful combination. And and one example that of that was, and what I'd said for me, the lights went off. I, I, you may or may not know my daughter, when she was born, got diagnosed at two months with a serious heart defect and she ended up needing Mm. heart surgery and everything that could go wrong did. And we spent almost three months in critical care. And at first, of Mm. course, like this is a foreign world for me. I'm not a doctor, you know, I I went to law school, I sucked at math and science. And so the first couple of times after, you know, I tentatively would voice an opinion and I got shushed or poo-pooed or patronized and it turned out that my instincts were right. I started really trusting mm. my instincts in a very powerful way. And it was amazing when you stepped into that. That's when I was saying that pure feminine power place. Mm-hmm. I w- and you, uh, if you ever would have thought it would be a time when I'd be really aggressive and raiding, right but, but I wasn't. I was in sort of that pure maternal power, but I would go toe-to-toe with the leading cardiologists in the world if I disagreed with their approach or what they were doing, but not mm-hmm. in a best test way. I was building rapport. Every one of them knew my name, they knew my face, they knew who my daughter was. And it was only in hindsight that I recognized Ironically, I was using the RFIT model before I'd ever developed it. I was building rapport, oh. empathy, and being flexible and trusting my intuition, building trust, but really standing in my assertive power when I needed to as well. And I'm convinced to this day, it's the thing that saved Jade's life, right? It was just touch and go mm. every day for almost three months, right? So Wow.
0: Yeah. Way to go, mama bear. That's the that's, that's thing. That's the thing because you will know your child better than anyone in those moments. Like who knows what it would have been like for her if you wouldn't have stepped in like that.
1: And that's where I encourage your listeners as well. When they doubt their abilities, you do it mm-hmm. every day in a million ways. For all of you who are out there listening every day in a million ways, you are exerting, you are negotiating and you are advocating and just it's like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, right? She had the, mm-hmm. she had the power all along. It's just, you know, recognize, <laughs> yeah. tap into the power that you already have and start applying those skills with intention in your life. And it will 10x your persuasiveness, your, your ability to negotiate effectively to get what you want.
0: That's fantastic. I love that. Well, I think that's part of why, I don't even think I knew that story, but just mom to mom, you know, connecting since it's Diabetes Awareness Month too, yes. you know, why it was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and went into a coma at age four, yeah. uh, you're not allowed to even take, take your child out of the hospital until you can prove that you can, you know, give them their first insulin shot and measure it and calculate their carbs. And we had a similar situation just as f- the fact that the trainers and the people that were... Um, working with us were not being very compassionate at all. Like got mad at him for what he ordered for breakfast after saying they could get any food they wanted. Just mm-hmm. really frustrating trying to figure that out. And we were not being treated very kindly. And I remember looking over to the side of the room and seeing on the wall after not sleeping for like three days, you know, being up 24 seven with him in the yep. hospital and seeing, Oh, if you don't like the way you're being treated, call this number. <laughs> because they wanted everything to be, you know, oh, we we honor the way that you're here and you should be treated kindly. And I just looked at that and I was like, I am not going to put up with this. This is not right. If I don't stand up for this, how many more families are going to have to be treated like this? And I called and talked to the admin and he was, you know, when I told him our person, he was like, well, that's one of our best trainers. And I said, you know what, I'm a trainer in the state of Arizona. I train all the teachers. And I said, if this is your best trainer, you have a lot of work to do. And I I said, she, she may go in and tell families and have to do this every day as part of her job, but this is the first time for me that my child has been yes. diagnosed with this, and this is the first shot I have to give him. And you know, you cannot treat people like you've been doing this a thousand times and have no compassion. Like, meet them where they're at, and it changed everything. Like, she came in and totally apologized, totally changed okay. her attitude. And I know that fixed it for more families because they were gonna yes. look at their program, you know. Oh, so, yes. thank you for doing that, and you can still do it in a feminine way. It's just yes. if we don't, uh, you know, apply the things you said that are fit. I mean,
1: yeah. we're,
0: we're letting other people down as well. Like people need us to embrace our feminine power.
1: Yeah. And how beautiful Especially she for our kids, <laughs> the ripple effect of that is gorgeous as well. Like you would have profoundly changed her approach because she would have mm-hmm. settled more into her feminine as well in terms of how she negotiated with the client she was dealing with, which, and the impact of that is massive, right? So that's beautiful.
0: Massive. Awesome. So thank you. Yeah, because for her she didn't have a child. It was textbook and she was treating us textbook. We're like, yeah. this is a real human being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> right. That's the most
1: vulnerable point. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Totally. So so I'm curious, I think you kind of have covered it, but was there any specific moment like that you were at work or what happened that inspired you to do what you're doing now? Was yeah. like a pivotal shift? I would mm-hmm. say there
1: were a few things. So one, because uh, the, the story I shared about Jade and recognizing that I was negotiating our fit, that came after actually. Like I didn't, I think that might've been the first seed, if you will, the first sort of inkling yeah. of concept, but I wasn't conscious of it at the time, to be honest. So it came, I I. I sadly did not have my epiphany at that moment. It came that years All later, right. um, Yeah. I I think it was starting to feel, it was a combination of factors, Trina. I felt like I was losing pieces of myself and not. Mm. um, And when I say about like for women who do that overcompensation piece or alternatively, women who don't step into their power, there's a huge cost for both. Like obviously for women Mm -hmm. who don't step into their power, they leave so much on the table, so many opportunities that they could have that they don't step into. We don't ask, right? Like just ask, ask, ask. 62% of men ask for more money when they're given a salary offer as compared to only 7% of women, right? So having, you know, being a lawyer and seeing that for 30 years was, was a trigger. But um, for myself, I was asking in a way that wasn't authentic to me. And I was starting to, like that barracuda approach, equally toll because it starts seeping into your personal relationships. First it affects your professional Mm -hmm. relationships and how people see you and then it starts. And and I think one turning point, as trivial as this may sound to some people, I was sitting having what I would have thought was just an everyday discussion with my son and I could see Mm -hmm. him getting really increasingly frustrated and I'm like, what is the issue here? And all of a sudden at one point he's just like, for God's sake mom, does every conversation with you have to be an argument that you win? And it was like oh. someone sucked the wind out of me and held up a mirror. And I'm like, I do not like what I see right now. This is not me. This mm. is not a way to be. It's not the way to to negotiate with your your relationship with your kids. It's not the way I want to negotiate my relationship with my intimate partner. You know, it yeah. and um And that was an awakening for that profound shift about how we show up and the power. And that's when I started remembering back moments, like including a course I took in law school, a negotiation course. Where we were basically negotiating for our marks because you imagine Mm -hmm. getting a bunch of competitive law school students and you know one of the leading law schools and and your entire mark is based on getting paired off throughout the course of the year and having a one-hour class to come to a negotiated resolution if you didn't get a settlement you go to zero and whoever got the highest settlement got the highest mark and i wow and, and i i won virtually every simulated negotiation And I'm not saying that to brag, Mm. I'm saying that because it wasn't until years later when I had this aha moment that I'm like, what is happening? Who have I become? That I remembered back to that negotiation course, I won all of those negotiations, not as that aggressive, take no prisoners, uh, lawyer approach. I- every one of those negotiations going okay we've only got an hour obviously there's got to be a solution here what do you need let me know what you know what are your concerns what do you want like bring that empathy trying to build that rapport trying right. to build that trust trusting my intuition being prepared to pivot and be flexible in that moment and that's what i would have called me negotiating from my natural authentic intuitive feminine place of negotiating power so that's when i suddenly had that epiphany about the power of that I um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wanted to make that shift. And for the women on purpose piece, I would say, I suddenly saw this profound political shift and where women were losing ground again really quickly, right? That we mm-hmm. seemed to be moving forward. And yet the pushback was so hard that I watched yeah. like the entire career of rights that we'd watched started, watched started to slip away. And that was a profound motivator for me
0: fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you're leading these things. And as you've learned, you know, you're paying that learning forward through your program, which is incredible. Like that's how you make that ripple effect. So thank you.
1: No, I thank you as well for the work you do. And I do feel a shift now. I think there's like, even since I've started with this, there's a lot more women stepping into, um, recognizing the importance of bringing that energy balance back right and being able to mm-hmm. and i just love seeing that shift like in in some of my programs trina when you watch women who've on both sides of the table like women who've really been overcompensating and had reached a point where they were struggling in their relationships both personally and professionally and watching mm-hmm. them be to settle into that place to bring vulnerability back in and be able to allow themselves to depend on other people and start asking and, and being able to settle into a place of more femininity while still being strong and powerful, watching the shift in them both personally as they light up, but also what they're able to achieve from a place that's more authentic. It's like suddenly mm-hmm. abundance opens up from them everywhere and they're like, oh my gosh, like where is this coming from? And the other end as well, women who spend a lifetime fearing what they thought was going to have to be conflict-ridden or confrontational and recognizing to step into the power to ask in ways that are still authentic to them and suddenly again having that abundance open up. Oh my gosh. It is so rewarding. So, so rewarding. I love
0: that. Yeah. I love that. I remember even years of seeing um, a lot of marriage couples we worked with we used to do very high end, like kind of private marriage coaching for mm-hmm. um, stars and just people who wanted that secret of, you know, behind the table for things that were happening in their life and just coming into some of these um, the sessions and working with them and watching how the woman had really almost taken on that really masculine role, you know, and helping them and going through and seeing that shift where, you know, the manhood almost been in a feminine role and then flipping it like through the work because as she reconnects with her feminine side and handling some of those issues and he is stepping back into his manhood, it's amazing, right? Because it was just like that tends to happen when people are feeling like someone else isn't getting it done or infidelity or things like that have happened in a marriage and then just helping them get back aligned and move forward, you know, healing those parts and being able to live the life they want.
1: Yeah, get that polarity back in balance, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's awesome. Well, so a lot of people are really curious. I know that you haven't always been at the point you are now in your business. And I know that the Women on Purpose has been a newer piece. What would you say are some of the obstacles you've had to overcome to live your dream life?
1: Because mm-hmm. a lot of our
0: listeners are curious, like, how do I make that transition? And obviously, you know, people show where they are now. But what, was, what were some of the obstacles you had to work through?
1: Oh, I love that. And it's funny because, you know, had you asked me that before I started this, um, I wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have got as authentic an answer for the very reason that, uh, you know, I think is the obstacle that holds most of us back. Um, and that's yeah. And one, Mm -hmm. it's fun. I've started one of the new programs that I'm incorporating as part of the art of feminine negotiation. It's called No Fear Negotiating, and it's F E A R: No Fear, No Ego, No Attachment, and No. Mm -hmm. And the fear piece, I find, like for most of the women that I'm coaching as well, it we, it's, we're not aware of it. So few women are conscious. We hold so much fear. There's, you know, fear of failure, mm-hmm. fear of losing, fear of missing out, fear of the unknown, you know, fear, um, fear of success is huge mm-hmm. so many women. It
0: right? is huge. Yeah, it really have is.
1: So many barriers that we don't, we start making progress and we don't even recognize what it is, but it's that fear that if I get too successful, and some of it's tied to baggage around wealth, which so many of us have, mm-hmm. um, and particularly, I, I think across the board, but I speaking for myself, coming from a low-income background, there's a lot of self-sabotage that goes around uh, on issues of wealth and that fear of yep. leaving people behind if you become too successful, that fear of getting too big for your britches, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and So I would true. Say,
1: for the women who are listening as well, that fear in particular, it is so conditioned, so ingrained from such a young age. Like if you look at young boys and girls as early as kindergarten, young boys get their social status and stature in kindergarten by bragging and beating on their chest and making themselves bigger. Young girls, yeah. in contrast, learn as early as kindergarten that if they do that, they are gonna get socially shunned. So we spend an entire mm-hmm. lifetime making ourselves smaller which stops us from living into our vision and our dreams. So for me, it was interesting because you would think I wouldn't have had a lot of that having created this, you know, if I may say so, a very successful law practice and this when everybody is impossible in that particular niche. And but starting this business, there was this fear of, you know, I had to really sort of jump off a cliff and just have the faith that. If mm-hmm. I believed in a mission strongly enough and that I had to practice what I preach, if I was out there telling women that you need to live into your vision and lead a life on purpose, I had to be prepared to follow my vision and lead my life on purpose. Even when I didn't see the next stair, I had to take that step and trust that. Yeah. It was going to come. And was I scared at points? Yes. But you know what? I was scared to death at points when Jade was in the hospital. Every time I argued with that cardiologist and I wasn't Mm -hmm. trusting my intuition, I was terrified. But the stakes were so high in that situation, Trina, that I went ahead in the face of that fear every day. So that would be the biggest piece of advice I would give. You are going to be scared because you have been, Mm -hmm. you have had not only your lifetime, but generation after generation of conditioning of limiting beliefs passed on through our mother's umbilical cords, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah you know, it
1: wasn 't that long ago women weren 't able to hold property frankly we didn 't have the right to vote so and you know women were persecuted as witches when they stepped into their power as healers so it 's not surprising mm-hmm. that we are have a fear of really stepping into our power. but the other piece I think is that fear of really leaving ourselves vulnerable because we see we 've been yeah. so conditioned to believe that 's a weakness, and for me especially right. I, felt like i had to be so tough like growing up it was mm-hmm. that don't ever let people see you cry don't ever show weakness you know and especially as you get into the law it was like you know you always have act like you know the answers even when you don't and just so mm-hmm. so for me a and that's why i say had you asked me this question years ago you wouldn't have got as vulnerable an answer because it's that allowing myself to settle into my vulnerability and recognizing my fears and managing them, and going ahead in the face of the fears, and using the fears to fuel me to move forward. Frankly, right? And yes, I'm going to fail, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Using those failures, I, I have now what I call failibrations, right? So
0: I love, that. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: celebrate those failures. Have a failibrant because it's only people assume that you know we're st- like you know there's signs in the mall. You are here. And that failures yeah. on one side and success is on the other. So if you do something wrong, oh, I'm going the wrong way. I better turn around and go mm-hmm. the other way. The reality is the you are here dot should be on the far left of the page. Failure in the middle and success at the end. You've got to go through those failures to get to your success. So know mm-hmm. that you're going to fail and love them. Welcome them mm-hmm. and be very intentional about, Okay, well, that was a hot disaster, but what did I <laughs> right. that, you know? Okay, so obviously that happened to teach me something. What's the learning here? Okay, I'm going to do it better next time and be totally okay with that moving forward. I think that that's the biggest for me.
0: That is awesome. And I want to thank you so much. Um, number one, I'm super glad that we waited till now to connect to do this interview because that was such an amazing, vulnerable and honest response. And I love your answer because like you said, honoring that journey and where you are and everybody can benefit from that my listeners are going to love that because people tend to think oh no this person did it perfect all the way through no it's from the failures of learning and growing that you reach that next level you know you keep going through and you'll have another cycle and then you'll have another
1: one and the irony is that it awesome. actually will make you it helps to grow your business as well which was a, an unexpected side effect of allowing myself to really settle in to be more vulnerable because your whole career as a lawyer, it was like you always the expectation is you always need to look together and spit and you know super articulate all the time, you know speak really quickly, think really quickly, process really quickly, always be the person mm-hmm. who's in control in the room. so at first, with women on purpose, you start bringing that energy where I wanted my videos to be really polished and be super articulate, and you recognize, you know what what people want to see is. The, the rawness, the real, they want to see, you know, when you're making mistakes and how you cut, fall, you know, get yourself back up and dust yourself off and move on from that. And, you know, are things always perfect with my kids? No. Yeah. I teach about the art of negotiating your, the best possible relationship with your kids. But do I make mistakes sometimes and get triggered? Of course I do. Right. And recognizing yeah. and sharing that authentically so people can see their own experience is being so valuable for them and for me. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. You're right, because that's that's how you grow and we're we're humans. We have all the emotions for a reason. That's what I figure. You know, every emotion, it's there to help you learn something. So thank you. That's awesome. And this one may be a little bit different for you because you can apply it either way to your business you were doing before in law or now. But I know that a lot of people are really curious. There seems to be this like six-figure barrier that a lot of people can't break through and so they're curious about okay maybe they don't even have anyone in their circle when you talk about like the middle class depression and people who you know it's not honestly looked at well like well you can't don't don't shine too bright right don't get too big don't do too much but and when you break out of that then they're like okay how did you do that I want to be able to duplicate it because then you start building belief so my question is what would you say was your key to breaking through that six-figure ceiling in your business?
1: Oh, you've got great questions, Trina. My gosh, these
0: are (laughs)
1: provoking questions. I love it. Um, (laughs) Thank you. uh, I would say for me and I think for probably for most people, that's a kind of a bold statement, but I think we all carry, and I alluded to it earlier, that such baggage around wealth, um, that Mm -hmm. fear, as you say, of shining too brightly or leaving people behind, having it affect your relationships. And- and and I'll be very candid sometimes it will to a certain extent sometimes so be prepared there are certain people who are going to at least at first maybe be a little jealous or a little resentful or maybe try and sabotage but so long mm-hmm. as you don't buy into that baggage you will yeah. be able to usually overcome and have those relationships become even stronger or in some cases, identify perhaps, you know, they talk about proximity as power, um, perhaps identify relationships that aren't serving you as well anymore and that you need to maybe take a look at in any event. So for me, the big shift around the money piece, because growing up in the environment that I did and practicing social justice law certainly didn't help. There was a lot of baggage yeah. around rich people being exploitative and taking advantage and um, you know, uh, people who really w- did an honest day's work, were, you know, didn't weren't the people who were in that you know select percentage, and that holds mm-hmm. us back because it sabotages us because we don't want to be one of them, even when we're not conscious of right. it. We end up self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be that. So for me, the real shift, and I would encourage people to think about the world right now. Our world does barter based on money, right? It's a currency, and mm-hmm. you can do profound good with money you don't have having money there is nothing inherently evil about it money is paper it is a currency there is money is what you make of it right. you can, you can achieve amazing things you can dig wells around the world to have people get access to clean water you can help women right. in situations of abuse to create shelters mm-hmm. and support mechanisms you can do the most beautiful world changing things with that currency so not holding yourself back, but recognizing. And I would say, so two things. One is getting rid of that baggage around it and recognizing, I want and I deserve to get that because I know I can do amazing things with it is one big thing. Mm -hmm. But the other is probably the more profound shift between a scarcity and abundance mindset, which a lot of people Mm -hmm. talk about or pay lip service to, but I would really encourage people to, Take a moment, like I don't know if you have a gratitude practice or a meditation practice, or just take a moment every day to really think about if you believe that there's not enough of things. And this takes a real intentional shift because our entire marketing industry, our political system is set up to pit people against each other and make them believe that there's scarcity out there. It's the way that, you know, the things get sold.
0: You know, right.
1: last of the whatever from remember, I'm dating myself hear The old cabbage pad dolls, we had a women fighting, right? Doors for them, <laughs> there is abundance out there. The resources in the world are so beyond what we would ever need if we access them. So, truly allowing yourself to believe in the abundance is a game changer, such a game changer. Don't compete. Like for me, like whether with you, if I have resources that you can use in my business, I am happy to share them because the more we get the message out, the more there is for everybody. It's not that we need to compete with each other because there's this small piece of the pie that we're fighting over. Mm -hmm. The opposite is true. If you are generous in how you approach your life and if you believe in abundance that there is an infinite resources out there, you will be able to access those infinite resources. If you believe that it's scarcity, you are going to keep yourself small. It is that simple. That's my very fundamental, profound belief. And I encourage people to try it on. Even if you don't believe it at first, try say, you know, give yourself uh, do incantations every day. You know, there is an abundance of resources and I am entitled right. to grab a piece of it and believe it and, you know, fake it until you make it. And it is, uh, it will shift your life
0: that's beautiful well and I've seen that over and over and over with people like it doesn't matter where you go oh I can't ever go on vacation it's like yes wait what if you can what if you can go on vacation what if you can actually find a way there's a trip guess what you've never applied for credit what if you can you know have it and believe that you're going to have a client so you can go and pay it off if you don't want to have debt you know what I mean it's it is it's such a shift so that that's beautiful and I know that's going to speak to people because a lot of people want to change they just don't know how And part of my mission of wanting to interview amazing people like you, Cindy, is to get that message out and to help people see and connect and have these amazing mentors. So there's an abundance of mentors, right? There's an abundance of knowledge. There's an abundance of amazing people who want to help them make a bigger impact in the world and help change their situation. So they're not stuck in those limiting beliefs that, you know, I talk with a lot of my clients and they'll say like, well, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can spend that money on myself. And then you say, who taught you that? Yes, and they're like, well, that's what my mom used to always say to herself. Okay, so is that her belief or yours? And they're like, that's her belief, you know. So it just helps free them when they can find out who, like, kind of imprinted that thinking.
1: Oh, and I'm so glad you said that word because it's funny. I was just we we must be on the same wavelength (laughs) because we are. (laughs) One more thing I'd say is about invest in yourself for goodness sake mm-hmm. believe in yourself believe that you deserve it and you are worth it and invest in yourself it will be the single most important thing that you do and for me that was a, a real shift as well because when i first started like investing i i totally overprogrammed myself i can fast i was like i want to get on the fast track and i want to learn as much as i can about this industry as quickly as i can and some of the price tags as you know on these programs are like so intimidating and i'm like oh yeah possibly afford that like even you know as having a successful law practice we had bought some properties we were pretty heavy heavily leveraged and like i can't possibly justify paying that and i'm like cindy you are invested you are believing in yourself you are believing in this mission and you are going to invest in yourself and you are going to get out of that scarcity mindset for once and for all and believe that if you believe it and you take that step it will come and i'm telling you trina Mm -hmm. i spent what people would have considered to be obscene amounts of money in those programs and we were sort of struggling a little bit financially making keep and we had things have been great i've never it's like, where did the money come from? Because you know what? We're not struggling. <laughs> I paid for those programs. Right. I believed in myself and I invested and we're doing okay. So if you believe it will, and you take that step to invest in yourself, it will come. I,
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. It's so true. And then the other thing is by doing that, when they go to create their life or they're talking to people, they've built belief in themselves and so they can stand for their clients. And that's an amazing transformation that happens because for someone who won't take that step, they always have a hard time getting people to enroll or believe in anything they're doing. Yes. But the ones who have taken that step, it's like they, they're like standing like that torch going, look, I did it. So you can do it too. And then you help lift people up. You're like yeah. lifting humanity up, which is so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yes.
0: Fantastic. Okay. Well, you've shared so many amazing things. I still have some more questions. Is that okay?
1: Yes, of course.
0: <laughs> okay. So I wanted to say, and I know you've kind of woven it through there, but if you were just going to say, like, even a one line that's your message you're wanting to share through your work, I know you have that heart centered mission. What would you say if you were just going to communicate that to our listeners?
1: I would say, All of life is a negotiation and you have all of the skills within you already that you need to negotiate your absolutely best life to get what you want and deserve from the boardroom to the bedroom. So personally, professionally, that would be my one line message for everybody out there, male and female.
0: That gave me goosebumps. Like that is awesome. It's (laughs) riveting because you you own your purpose and that's cool because you can communicate it and so you you resonate that. So thank you so much for sharing that because that, that means people can resonate with you. And and that leads right into the next question. What can people expect when they actually get to work with you, Cindy?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, thanks. Um, I think the biggest, it's a combination. I, I like to... to sort of combine, um, I sort of call it the Scrooge approach for starters. So people need to be prepared <laughs> to go back a little bit, you know, visit the ghost of Christmas past, uh, a little bit of, yeah. a sort of your present situation, but also really getting clarity about your vision. So we sort of, and I, I start typically with getting people really clear about if they could wave a magic wand, where would they see themselves in every aspect of their life to allow them to start dreaming. And you'd be shocked, Trina. I find the thing that amazed me, especially I did a big live event in June and so many of the women in the room, when I asked them to set out what their goals were, You could see just stunned faces. It's been so long since they truly even thought Uh, they they couldn't even think of visions for themselves, which broke my heart. So um, so getting people to tap into their visions and their dreams, but also Mm -hmm. we spend time going back and pushing through some of the limiting beliefs and the obstacles that have been holding you back in your life from really getting what you deserve and what you want Um, and pushing, identifying those fears and identifying some of the root causes too, like where are these coming? From. And I love when you start seeing, once that starts firing, faster and faster they start coming to their own recognitions about these fears that have been holding them back. And once they free themselves of that by recognizing them people will skyrocket then. So we do, part of it is pushing past the limiting beliefs. So we get the clarity about the vision. We push past the limiting beliefs and the obstacles that have been holding them back. We look at developing the skills that they need. And that's where my sort of practical experience comes in to tap into the, what you already have, but applying that Mm in more, Practical ways as well. Some little, you know, hot tips about how to negotiate that will really up level your ability to be super persuasive and influential to get what you want. And then bringing those to apply as well in every aspect of their life, because I don't want to just like a lot of people come going, okay, I need more, you know, I need to make more money at work and I want to get those big deals. And we do that for sure. But it's also coming, showing up differently to negotiate your relationships and, I think the unexpected part i find for most women who come and work with me is that oh my gosh this is amazing i'm making more money than i ever have i'm asking for more things that i wouldn't have before and getting more of what i want not just financially but beyond but also in my relationships I can't believe what it's a di- difference it's made in my intimate relationship or how I approach my kids with those important conversations even the you know negotiating my own boundaries for my time so I've got time to spend with my girlfriends and reconnect again um, so it's a combination of all of that and whether through we do one-on-one coaching we do group mm-hmm. coaching, I do retreats, I've got online programs that are available. We're actually coming out with a new purpose planner, which I don't think you heard, which I'm super excited about. That's so exciting. Instead of a to-do plan, and I did it with my daughter, which is beautiful, Jade, the one who, you know, was, I'm now yeah.
0: 23
1: years old and has not had to have heart surgery again. And um, it's a very purpose-driven planner. So get away from the to-do. So we have like a month at a glance and it's, it's for women. And it's based on lunar cycles to connect us to the moon because we are our creatures of the moon. And uh, so we do week at a glance sort of reflecting back over last week's wins and lessons and then looking forward. And then every day sort of asking yourself some, a little deeper profound questions so that every day you're staying on purpose. Right. And we're really excited about mm-hmm. it. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I'm really excited for you. That is amazing. And I just love that people can hear what you're doing. There's so many cool ways to be a part of it. And it's fun to connect with other leaders who are helping make that bigger impact because it just gets the word out. And there's so many people who need help and to be able to serve them in a bigger way all across. It's just, it's awesome. So that is exciting. And I'm proud of you for all the work you're doing. Because even, um, one of our <laughs> one of our mutual mentors right working with Ted McGrath it was cute because i remember some of the trainings we went through and i had my kids i think at one of the trainings we went to and um it was about handling objections right and just learning these different ways and and so for me, I said, Oh, my gosh, I never thought that learning how to handle objections would make me a better parent. Because yeah. it was like, you're constantly handling objections. <laughs> right? Mom, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I go with my friends? And I'm like, Yes, I've got this. So I can just relate to that. That's awesome. Yeah. There's so many skill sets, right?
1: Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because sales, <laughs> that's one of the things as well, people, because I just spoke recently at a coaches convention and that's yeah. what I was about, what do you think sales are? Sales are a form of negotiation. So, that's you know, right. and, and I had them all, you know, sort of applying that RFIT model to their sort of coaching in terms of handling objections. And it was great. You could see the lights all going off around the room. It was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's okay. So then another thing people say is they're always curious, right? You've got these things going. Some people are finding clients not. That's their next thing. I have my program. I'm excited about what I'm doing. I'm living on purpose. How are you getting new clients now?
1: Yeah, it's well, I think a couple of things. So for women or well, for any of your listeners who are out there looking at how to start getting some traction. Um yep. so, I mean, one obviously is believing in yourself, right? And believing in your mission and sticking with it because uh, and again, just being vulnerable, volu- there are definitely, there are going to be times when you're going to question, oh my gosh, is this worth it? Should I just quit? Like this is yeah. I mean, I a lot of work and I don't seem to be getting the traction yet. And other people are getting all this traction because of course we love to compare ourselves. Right. So, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm not, I'm not as good as that. I'm just not, yeah, I'm not cut out for this. Right. And that, so right. stick with it. So that would be the one piece of advice I would give. So trust yourself, trust your mission, stick with it. Um, but starting with certainly like building a Facebook page, you know, and having a Facebook mm-hmm. group. The one thing I found is the Facebook page is great. Having the the Facebook group is, um, Takes it to a different level though, because women or you know, the people generally are going to be more likely to share intimate stuff in a private group mm-hmm. than on a public page. So it starts building right. a community. And there'll be times when you'll be feeling like you're not getting any traction, right? So um doing yep. Facebook lives, get over your fear of the video thing. You should see at first.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Oh my gosh, by the end I just have ponytail off the side of my head, no makeup. Right after both night. It was just, yeah, you talk about raw. Um, But also get out and speak. I think that it's like online is definitely one way. So, I mean, I've got my online art of feminine negotiation program now, you know, doing those Facebook ads out there. But really, I think it's still, we crave human connection in this technological world today. Right. So every Mm -hmm. opportunity you get to get out and, you know, speak locally, if you get invitations to go and meet, like I just had a fabulous experience a week ago, Friday, I, somebody reached out, they'd heard about my program, and they have this women's club that meets once a month called the First Friday Club. They meet the first Friday, which I love, right, of every month. yeah they do some kind of women-centric thing you know one time they went and toured a, a cemetery and had somebody tour them about all the women in there who had made a difference in the world which i thought was beautiful right
0: so mm-hmm. they
1: had me come and speak about the art of feminine negotiation and it just it was a very it was a small group i think there were 17 women and like 13 out. i offered a free discovery session for them to Um, you know, get in touch and I'd give them a, you know, sort of a one hour call where we would get some clarity on their vision and start identifying their obstacles and get a little mini plan for them going forward. And 13 out of 17 of them signed up. And then a bunch of them jumped into my program. So, and it's easy to think, ah, that's small. Is it worth driving all the way down to the city for that? But just making those personal connections again is still, I think Mm -hmm. the best way to really, um especially at the front end to start growing and growing and growing your your network and your whether you're doing a mastermind or whatever it is that you're you're looking to sell right
0: i love that i agree too because and i think things kind of go back and forth in cycles right and i think so many people now have been online and kind of isolated, then it's starting to swing back because people realize, hey, just seeing pictures of your life is not the same as getting together with you for coffee or going out to lunch or going for a walk. You know, getting to see you and sending you a virtual hug, it's not the same as hugging you in person. And that energy, that synergy that comes from getting together, that's why I love live events too. And I'm really happy you're doing that because just reminding people, they have opportunities right where they are and start from that, right? And you can build your community while you're getting your online. Part
1: yep. going. And sharing. I mean, the other thing, and it comes back to that vulnerability piece because we mm-hmm. tend to think we need to do it all ourselves and and just yep. ask for help. Like go at like reach out and say, Hey, can you help promote this for me? I've got this thing. You know, like when the planner's coming out, I'm gonna be asking other women that I know. Hey, if you know people who are gonna be interested, you, you know, like just asking for help and offering? So setting up reciprocity, be generous. And that generosity will come back to you, right?
0: Absolutely. I love that. Hey, I will promote you. No, I'm thrilled you. with what you're doing. And that's the <laughs> that thing, like, like hit for me, it. I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's no problem. But I'm like, you know, for me, it's also when you have kind of that dream team and you're one of mine, like, I've got my circle of women that I'm just like praying yes. about how exactly we're going to make this ripple effect to help a lot more people and affect this change. Because for me, I love going to events, and I think it's even more impactful when there's like a power team. That's yes. like sharing, speaking I on different agree. things. And it's just, you know, you can do stations with it. It's just, it's fun. So my mind's like exploding with all these ways and things we are going to plan and yes. stuff, but um, it's just fun. I love that. And just rolling with that, like, what would you recommend to people who are wanting to get booked on stages or have live events? Cause I know you've been shining in that. You love that. And some people are like, oh, don't want to do that or not. So how, how would you recommend yeah, they, they go cool. find how to get booked on stages?
1: Yeah, and because people are terrified. They say it's like the number one mm-hmm. of death, right? It's Which is quite shocking. So um, yeah. just before I say that, the one thing you said that really resonated with me there as well is that dream team of people coming together. Because let's face it, we mm-hmm. all react and connect with differently so someone who loves my style will be different necessarily than someone who's going to go oh my god trina spoke to my heart right so right, right. That variety on stage is i think it's a beautiful and smart way to handle it mm-hmm. people. so for people who are nervous that would be the one piece of advice i would give them as well don't feel you need to do it on your own get with a group of people mm-hmm. at first where you have the comfort of sort of sharing the stage even with other people but it goes back to that vulnerability piece, because you don't have to be a power, like, uh, to be honest, you know, I wasn't really ever intimidated by public speaking. So people can go, oh, easy for you to say, Cindy, right? Like, you know, you've always got <laughs> up on stage, even as a kid, but Having said that, the thing that surprised me, the analogy I'd give to that is with video. I thought that would be super easy for me because I've done so much public speaking. And oh my God, Trina, why do you fight the game just to be vulnerable with your audience here. Okay. The first time I remember I booked somebody to come and shoot some videos for me. And, uh, she's like, do you want somebody to come as like a model to sit there so you can talk? I'm like, yeah. oh, model, I'll be fine. And all of a sudden that cameras in front of me, I'm, I felt like a sputtering, stuttering, like it was felt so artificial <laughs> and still, right. it was like, oh my gosh. So we all have our bugaboos about it. So the most important thing I found though, is people actually don't want that perfect polished you know, slick mm-hmm. presentation. What people want and crave today is real human connection. We are starving for it.
0: That's so right.
1: if you don't feel that you're the most powerful public speaker out there, that's okay. In fact, they might, that might be your greatest asset. Just go ahead mm-hmm. and do it. Anyhow, if you believe that your message is going to help anybody in that audience, you owe it to them. To get out there and share that message, and, and I find for women because we're always wanting to take care of everybody else I, I sometimes that's right. help, help help. and I say it's selfish of you to hold back if you 've got something that can help somebody else and you're holding it back just because you're scared that's kind of selfish, so get out there ooh way to call
0: that out <laughs> yeah. Push
1: your fear and offer yeah what and change those lives so get out there. And if you stumble over your words, that's okay. People are going to love you more for that, frankly, and they're going to see themselves in that. So I would say, get out. There's all kinds of um, opportunities locally, um, now more than ever. And so depending on what industry they're in, right? I mean, if if you're coaching around weight loss, for example, like go to Um, You know, go offer to to talk to doctors or clinics that are out there and offer to do meetups, frankly, or go to your local health food store and offer to do a little seminar for their customers, right? So you're giving value to them and you're building an audience for yourself as well. So whatever your particular niche is, find places where you can go and get an audience, create your own if you have to and just put yourself out there and push past that fear and know that if you're speaking from the heart and your intention isn't oh i want to get as much money as i can but i want to help as many people as i can people are going to feel that and you're going to you're going mm-hmm. to be successful it's that simple
0: that's beautiful i i love that so much because that just speaks to me because i was like the little girl who I won like this little Missy Payson and then went to the state competition because I, I looked like a little Shirley Temple when I was a kid. And I sang. And <laughs> I when, right? But, yeah, so with my little you know, curvy hair and big old smile and brown eyes. And we, I did great. The local level did not intimidate me, but when I went to state, I remember seeing all of these people. I was up on stage and I could not see my parents and I was just, I didn't want to sing. It wasn't even, I don't even know so much afraid. I just couldn't see my parents yeah. and didn't know where I was and yeah. I didn't sing. And Ever since then, I had this thing around it where I was like, oh my gosh, do I want to do that? And then I remember when I got recruited right out of my first year teaching, my kids did so well. I got recruited by Oregon State University to go and teach and train teachers in these methods of teaching English as a second language. And that was my first, you know, training about 80 teachers. And I loved it. It was so much fun. And I was like, why was I ever afraid to do this? But I got over that fear because I loved what I was doing so much, right? And I knew other teachers needed to know this. And then one of my um, coaching experiences to graduate our class where we went through like trauma relief and all, trauma relief and grief coaching and everything, we had to go sing karaoke. No. I kid you not, Cindy. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like of all the things, give me a thousand first graders. Give me a thousand parents <laughs> that I could drink. I do not want to sing karaoke. And it was so much fun. Like my coach actually came up and sang with me. I think we did like, I feel like a woman and it was hilarious like i left so hard so that's the thing right do the thing you fear and just get out there and and you're helping someone else i love how you called it out like you're being selfish if you don't share that skill and talent because you know when john was like let's record our whole program like we have our whole business coaching program now that's built on you know dialing in what they were made for and then helping them and it's all recorded when we started that, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like I don't want to record like over 50 yeah. videos we did for this tree, but knowing that now it's there and can continue to help people, like yeah. you said, you break through that. why? Because you want to help people. We all have that internal desire, and once you get yourself out of the way, right, you're so letting bad. God do the work. it just flows. so that I love that. great job, Cindy. <laughs>
1: Thanks. And you too. And I love that you said, love it. As you said that, that so resonated with me because, and I think it's one thing we haven't really spoke to. We kind of skirted around, which is because there'll be a lot of pressure on you um, for, for women who are starting sort of a new business there to do, you know, here's what's going to make money. You should do this, do this. Mm -hmm. One piece of advice I would give, stick to your guns and do what you love. Above all, mm, awesome. it's something that you are passionate about. And it's interesting because at mm-hmm. the beginning, I was really driven about doing women on purpose. And interestingly, because the market tended to be dominated by men when I was starting this. And mm-hmm. they were like, ah, oh, purpose, that's not a great thing. Women aren't lying awake at night wondering what's my purpose. And I felt intimidated because they were the experts and I wasn't. And I kick myself still, Trina, because I normally don't second guess myself. But I'm like, okay, this mm. is a new industry for me. And I had I gone... So, but Now that's all you hear. Purpose, 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 purpose. And I would have been one of the mm-hmm. first out of the gate, but I sat back and they're trying to, convince: no, you got to tie it to business, tie it to business. So pick what you're passionate about, believe in yourself and love it. And that will catapult you.
0: That's fantastic. Well, and I'm so aligned with you, because when they say women don't sit lying awake at night, you know what, after you've raised your babies, and like me, I had these amazing degrees, all of this education, I know tons of women in that boat, and we stepped out of our careers because we have missed our kids, and we wanted to raise nice. our babies, and then you find yourself going, wait, my kids are grown now. Yeah what am i supposed to do wait i'm so young i have ambitions i have desires i want to you know make best use of my skills and talents so i think more than ever there's a need for that because there's been like maybe a ripple of things that came out that didn't necessarily serve purpose like they talked about it but didn't actually hit it on the head delve deep and help you see like no this is a core your essence, like who you are as a human being, it's always been there. Start peeling back the layers of who said you couldn't and get to who you really are and launch, you know, with what you love, who you are. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. more than ever, I think it's a great time for that. And I'm happy to support you in your mission, like super excited for what you're doing. Um, yeah. And as you're going through, right, you might meet people and I'm sure you do at your training. So we're like, Hey, I'm really excited about what you're doing, Cindy. And I want to know how to do that what would you suggest to somebody who's interested in doing what you're doing? Like what skills or training would they need?
1: Oh, good question. Um, well, and first I'd say feel free to reach out cause I'm always happy to share whatever I've got as, as you are super generous that way. I know. Um, yeah. so I would say, um, get clear. Don't be afraid to get a coach, I think is one thing. So mm-hmm. whoever skilled you are, and that was a real game changer for me, an eye opener, um, because you always think about coaches for professional athletes or musicians or whatever, but in terms like yeah. having somebody to hold you accountable and call you on your stuff and to be able to brainstorm through it is just keeps you so on track. So I would say, mm-hmm. looking for finding a coach that really resonates with you to help Uh, propel you forward and keep you on track I think is a really valuable investment at the front end and they will also be able to help identify skill sets where you need to amp it up like a good coach that'll be part of it is optimize your environment optimize your skill set that you need optimize your mindset you know clarify your um, your vision for the future those are all things that a great coach is going to be doing and naturally as part of you know most programs um yeah definitely look at investing yourself and getting a coach that resonates with you um but in terms of skill sets um practice in front of the video like practice getting comfortable in front Mm -hmm. of the video um you know do a whole bunch of them if you're not comfortable going live that you don't ever show anybody just so that you're get comfortable talking to a camera in a way that's natural and real and authentic and not forced or stiff, right? I think mm-hmm. the more you can practice having your real personality shine through the better. So I think that's a super valuable skill. Um, building team is going to be really important as well, right? So uh, mm-hmm. learning skill sets around how to motivate and um, you know sort of negotiate or navigate, to get the best possible team and get the most out of your team by empowering people as opposed to, you know, sometimes even when you know the answer to something, asking your team, how would you handle that, right? Um, yeah. And thinking bigger by considering getting a team earlier than whatever your instincts are. If your instincts are at mm-hmm. right <laughs> this point, be thinking about getting a team way earlier than that because if you consider what your time is worth, um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of per hour, if you factor everything in, if here's my ideal coaching rate or whatever I'm going to do. And if you break that down, here's what I'm worth an hour. Anybody you can get to do the stuff that you don't enjoy doing for cheaper than that is going to serve you better. Right. So getting That's right. <laughs> out of that scarcity mindset, again, to taking that step will be a big move. Um, so I would say video getting comfortable there, Uh, practicing writing your copy or at least like even if you are going to hire somebody to do it, know Mm -hmm. what you're like, really tap into your deep why and what your target audience's why is going to be and getting real crystal clarity around who your target market is and what they think they want. And you'll Mm -hmm. know what you think they need but knowing what they think they want is gonna be critical to be able to move forward. Because if you try and dish up what they need, but they don't think it's what they want, you're gonna fit right. your head against a wall over and over again. So give them what they, what they want, you know, or sell them on what they want, and also give them what they need while you're doing it is a, I think a big shift that is super helpful, right?
0: very smart that was a very shiny diamond right there you shared <laughs> <Welcome>. <laughs> this whole conversation I have loved talking with you so much and communicating with you and I want to help thank you I am really honored that you took the time to share and I want to make sure um, that my listeners know what is the best way for people to contact you if they would like to work with you
1: oh I should have had a link for a free giveaway handy but you know what I would say go to my website which is women mm-hmm. on purpose.ca so women on purpose.ca. um there's a free ebook there for how to be a woman on purpose so i would encourage them to go to women on download that i also offer um a free discovery session if they want to just sort of get some clarity about where they're falling down and negotiating their best life they can schedule that online as well i've got all kinds of free resources there too trina lots of blogs like w- weekly blogs on Every aspect of negotiation, from negotiating with yourself to silence in negotiation to negotiating by email to incorporating the five W's, pushing past your fear. So, lots of resources there. And thank
0: you
1: so much. Your questions have been so thoughtful and provocative. And thank you for what you do. Um, I love everything about you, and I can't wait until we share a stage together or do a program together. I think it'll be. Uh, watch out world. I think it'll be a great dynamic
0: duo. Yeah, I agree. It would be incredible. So I'm looking forward to that too. That gave me goosebumps because there's just, yeah, amazing women coming together, honoring our unique gifts and talents. And that's what I love about a coach. Everybody's going to resonate with a different piece, but then we all have these different learning styles, right? We've got the social, we've got the intellectual, we have all these different ones. And so honoring that as women and knowing that we all have those pieces men and women inside but being able to share it in a unique way that honors who you are as a person and I love the theme that you do through everything with negotiation it's it's super just engaging and fun so this has been a blast thank you so much
1: yeah same likewise talk to you
0: soon (laughs) okay can I ask you last question this is a fun one you're just gonna say if there's a quote that you would like to share to inspire our listeners how would you like to leave them with your quote? You or maybe one that you live by someone that inspired you, you want to share?
1: Um, uh, well, you know, I'm going to go with what just came to my mind and I don't know why. And some people are going to find this an odd one, but I was um, in Ireland recently at an event and I mm-hmm. took some time to go away and resonate. And um, I was sitting looking at this waterfall and uh, I just kind of closed my eyes and then opened and just settled. And it was like this bizarre sort of channeling. And I saw like this weird image of a woman um, that looked like she was being held back and not visible. And it, it just was such a profound mm. moment for me about women stepping into their visibility. But the thing that the quote mm. that came to me at the time was, our scars are our strength. And that would be the quote I would leave to mm-hmm. women because we tend to, and it, for me, it was so multi layer Trina. Our scars are our strength because both there's so much pressure on women in terms of our physical beauty and how we present. And as you know, whether it's, um, you know, little imperfections or you know, from having baby stretch marks, or as we are, you know, mm. cellulite or whatever. So, but also our emotional scars, those things that have hurt us, that have wounded us, it's what makes us stronger. It's what makes us so powerful. It's what allows us to be vulnerable and real and compassionate and empathetic in this world. So that was probably longer than you wanted, but the quote is our scars oh, are great. So gorgeous. To share it. So, yeah. Thank
0: you so much for blessing us with that. That was absolutely gorgeous. Our scars are our strength. And please, everybody, reach out to Cindy Watson. She is a beautiful person inside and out, a vision of strength, a goddess for women to be able to live your life on purpose and negotiating everything from the boardroom to the bedroom. So please check in with her, connect with her at womenonpurpose.ca. And thank you so much for blessing us with your time, Cindy, and sharing huge piece of your heart.
1: Thank you. This has been so much fun. You take care. Can't wait to see you again soon. All
0: right. You too. Okay. Good night. Bye. Bye.